Hello, good morning. We'd like to welcome you to Potter's Health Bromley's live stream today. We're going to start off our live stream in a time of prayer as usual. We want to pray especially today for the healing of our brother Asher. We want complete healing. We want to take dominion that no sickness, no long-lasting symptoms will be in his life. We want to pray for a miracle. We want to pray for a testimony that your prayers today can make a difference. So we want to pray for the healing of Asher. We also want to pray this day, this day of celebration for our fathers. In Proverbs 24, 23, it says, The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who begets a wise child will delight in him. So not only want, do we want to thank God for our fathers and the examplships that they are giving, we want to pray that God will do something in our hearts that will bring our fathers joy. So we want to pray for our fathers, for their wisdom, for their health, we may want to pray for um, our fathers that there'll be a restoration in relationships. Many of us, we don't know our fathers. We want to pray that God, the mighty God of heaven that knows all things, can bring restoration. We want to pray in our lives uh, that God will do something in us that will reflect him in us. That we can bring great, great joy for our fathers. So I want to take some time. That where we are in our houses, we want to take some time just to pray breakthrough, healing, thanksgiving. Amen. Where we are, let's pray. God, I thank Father, you this in the day name of Jesus, for all that you are doing in our lives. That we cannot even right now for Asha, God, Lord, you are healing, the Father God, of Lord, your Lord, you will touch. Father God, all these bodies, we rebuke the lies of the devil, oh Father God, yes, right now we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that we'd see a miracle, oh Father God, yes, oh God, Lord, a supernatural healing, Father God, that is turning away, Father God, Lord, from every symptom, oh Father, and everything, oh God, Lord, that will come against them, the blood of Jesus sets them free, release faith, oh God, Lord, on his family, oh God, Lord, strengthen them and help them, oh God, Lord, we pray right now in the name of Jesus, against the lies of the devil, Father God. Lord, we plead the blood, O Father God. Greater is he, O Father God, that is in us, O Father. Let there be faith, O God, and his supernatural power. Father God, Lord, that will touch, Lord Jesus. God, this young man, God, Lord, strengthen his parents, O Father God. Lord, we pray right now, God, in the name of Jesus, God, that Lord, you will touch, O Father God. Lord Jesus, God, every Father God, Lord, that you would strengthen fathers and husbands, O Father. Lord, that they would be a blessing, O God, Lord, to the children, oh Father. God, that they'll be encouraged today. They will celebrate, oh Father. Lord God, Lord, just let the, their Father dominion them be in there. Lord, I pray, give them wisdom beyond their days to be able to minister. Lord, to be able to strengthen, oh Father God. Lord, to lead their family, oh God. Lord, in righteousness. God, we worship you, we adore you. Lord, let it be known that you are the living God, that you are the God of Israel. Father God, Lord, right now, move, oh Father God, Lord, upon every man. Lord Jesus, oh God, every woman, those coming tonight, Father. Yes, we thank you, God. So all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Again, I want to thank you for joining us on our live stream. We're so thankful to see that our videos are getting views. We know that many people not in our churches 
our viewing our videos, that it is touching people who are not saved. We strongly believe that when we are able to meet again, our church will not be the same. That God is doing something in his people through this time of isolation. Through this time of lockdown, we believe God is moving and we're so thankful for God being able to use these live streams. That even though we may seem disconnected, we are connected through an almighty God. And we are very thankful for that. So I'd encourage you, if you've not already subscribed to our channel, I would encourage you to subscribe. That way you'll get notifications whenever we go live. I want to encourage you to attend our events we have throughout the week. We have many events. We have events of Bible studies and studying of the scriptures. They take place on Tuesday. We have a book study group, and if you're involved in that, you'll know all about it. That takes place on Wednesdays. If you have any inkling that you'd like to be a part of these Tuesday or Wednesday events, do feel free to ask around. You will find the information you need. On Thursdays, we do have Behind the Veil. That, at the moment, is replacing our Thursday service. This is where you can come with all questions, with all queries regarding scriptures, the kingdom of God, doctrine, theology, Christology, anything you have that you're unsure about, come, bring your questions. And as a group, we will listen to what God has to say and God will move the mist as he tore the veil that you can know God for yourself. Amen. On Fridays, we have... Uh, Amen. Bible studies at 8 o'clock, exactly the same time as our Thursday service, our Thursday behind the veil. At 8 o'clock we have a Bible study where we are studying the book of Colossians verse by verse. God is moving powerfully. Each study we could spend an hour on one verse alone because there is so much in that book. That book is a book of Christology, the study of Jesus Christ. And I would encourage you, if you've not joined us already, study Colossians 1 Study from, uh, let's say, verses 10 onwards and come with some wisdom to share. And that will be Friday at 8 o'clock. Ask around, ask Brother Jadine or any of the other brothers for information on where you can join us. Starting not this Saturday, but next Saturday, we're going to have a prayer night. I believe that is at 7 o'clock, that that, that that will be announced in greater detail next week. And again, next Sunday, we'll be live streaming again. So that is why I'm asking you to subscribe, that you do not miss the word God has for you. Amen. Amen. So on the announcements, we want to move and we want to collect an offering for an almighty God. And if you have your Bibles, please turn to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8. That is Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8. And we're going to let God speak to us this morning on giving. One man once said that uh, the potential in a church is not in its seating capacity, but in its sending capacity. And what it's talking about is you can have a church of a thousand people, but you have no impact. That you're never able to keep up with the times, and when one generation dies out, there is no giving to the next generation. We want to read and let God speak to us from the book of Hebrews on about a church not having a seating capacity but ascending capacity. So verse 8. But to the Son he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. 
Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Interesting, companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are a work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will grow old like a garment. It's talking about your companions, what you surround yourself with. They will perish, but you will remain. They will grow old like a garment. Like a cloak, you will fold them up, but and they will be changed, but you are the same. Your years will not fail. We have in our lives many things, many trends, many things we buy into. One week this is in trend and we buy into it. Another week something else is in trend and we fold up the old and we get with a new. And there is a constant demand in our finances that one week in my work, they were talking about one week, uh, Hermes bags are in fashion, the next weekend it's Prada and now it's Michael Kors and they cannot keep up. As soon as they buy one item, it seems like that is not in fashion anymore and they're having to sell and buy something else. Maybe you're here and you buy clothes and one week your clothing is in fashion, the next week you're like, I need to upgrade. I need uh, to keep up with the times and there's a constant demand because uh, the des your desires will constantly change. We are in an ever-changing world. That is what the Bible talks about. It's talking about your companions, what you surround yourself with, will constantly change. Mm. We see at the moment it is a very good time to buy, let's say, property or to buy cars because people are looking to offload their assets for finances with the furlough scheme. They're saying it's a very good time to buy cars. But who's to say in the future there won't be an even better time and you're going to have to sell and try and upgrade and it's a constant demand on your resources. Why? Because the situation is always constantly changing. Here it talks about you fold up your cloak like a garment and it will be changed. How many times do you... Folding up is a symbol of not needing it anymore. I know most of us here, we fold our clothes anyway, but for especially single brothers, sometimes the only time you fold up your clothes is when you're throwing them away. And we are here and we're looking at this scripture, this saying like, there'll be times where what you have, your garments, they will be changed, they will be changed. But it says here, your God does not change. Amen. And we can give to a God that doesn't need to change. When you give, it does not go out of fashion. It does not become irrelevant. There was a story of a sailor. This sailor knew, sailor knew this route, this shipping route very well. He knew that whenever he saw a lighthouse, the difference was this, with this lighthouse is whenever he saw it, he knew to go towards it because they would lead to the perfect waters for his ship. So they're sailing on this ship and he sees this light in the distance and he says to his crew, sail towards that light. So they're sailing towards this light, but something is happening. They're not getting any closer. And eventually what happens is the ship runs aground. And they're saying, how did this happen? And then they look through a telescope in the distance. They see the actual light they were following was not the lighthouse, but a train. And the train was constantly moving along the coast. And they were chasing something which was moving. And they was not able to catch up. And they run aground. That can be the same with our finances. We can continue to chase something which is constantly moving and run aground. Mm. 
And that is why that I started off with the quote that the potential of a church is not in its seating capacity, but in its sending capacity. Because we can be so caught up in building a mega church and seating all these people, and that will change. People will come and people will go, but it's about what you send that matters. Because you can give into the kingdom of God today, and you do not have to worry about that money becoming irrelevant. You don't have to worry about, amen, God changing and that money not being useful anymore because God does not change in our scripture. So I want to encourage you today to give. If you're a gift dealer, I'd encourage you that when transferring these funds, put uh, the initials GA followed by your first name or surname. It will just help our admin team out tremendously. And I would encourage you, continue honouring your tithes and honouring your offerings because God is doing something amazing through this time of lockdown. In this time where we see that, or we can think that little is possible, God will show us that all things are possible. So where we are, we just want to pray. God, I thank you for this time to give into your kingdom. I pray, God, that this offering will go far beyond what we think is possible, Lord. We are thankful that while everything changes, you do not change. God, and we pray that you can use this offering to achieve great things. Let us see a repayment in souls, Lord. I, let us pray for a conversion from money into souls. God, we pray you bless the gift and the giver. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Welcome to the Potter's House Bromley and um, just want to say a massive appreciation and gratitude to all fathers. I pray more importantly that your wives demonstrated gratitude. I mean my wife is phenomenal like many wives are, brought me um, breakfast in bed, a card, um, all my kids were there, got me gifts and you know, and to be honest, that was sparked from not only my, my, my children's hearts and their love, but that's also from my wife, who, um, you know, she just, I don't think I deserve it, but she is very, very good and kind to us, and every little thing I do, um, she highlights it, emphasizes it, and she's appreciated to her husband and uh, to the father of her kids. Not that I think I deserve it, but I only say that to say to wives and mothers, you know, your, your fathers, I mean your, um, your husbands and the father of your children, they do work hard, they do labour hard, they um, go out to work, they love their family, they're not perfect but they do try, they do make an effort and just to have gratitude, mm. gratitude, they're getting insulted sometimes by their boss, they're nothing but gratitude, saying, do you know what, I thank you husband and I thank you for what you do for me and my kids and praise God, so... If we'll turn to Matthew 24, Matthew 24, Matthew 24, 
you know what it means to finish something, to complete something. Many of us, that'll be the great frustration because we'll start projects that we don't finish, we'll start different or pieces of work and we don't complete it. There's always that niggling feeling that we need to finish things. And I want to speak on Father's Day with the theme, the Father's Day and the Father's Way in a sermon called Finish This. Matthew 24 verse 1. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to him, came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, what, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. Amen. Finish this. Finish this. Here we've got the disciples. They're with Jesus, and they're posing Jesus a question as they're by the temple or around the temple or just departing from the temple. And the question the disciples have is, as we've been with you, Jesus, you've discussed many things, and we come to a revelation Maybe not in all its fullness, but a revelation that you're more than just a mortal human being. As Peter would say, you're the son of the living God. Yes. In John 6, who else can we go to? You have the words of life. You're the Christ. So with that, you get to the inevitability. What's the end game? How does all this finish? Does human history actually wrap up? What's your father's viewpoint on it? Do we just live and die and this just carries on? Yeah, there's a heaven, but how about earth? How about human society? How about the world? How about what the Greeks call the cosmos? The arrangement, the arrangement, the cosmetics, all of the institutions, all of the things that attract. When does this all end? In the law, in science, they've got a theory called the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. And even that theory will speak about everything has a beginning and everything has an end. Time, space, matter has a beginning. And they say some type of heat death will cause it all to end, to finish this. But Jesus speaks to his disciples. He says, I'll speak to you about my father. When he finishes this, 
when he ends this. As you're in Jerusalem, listen, disciples, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. But yet, we won't finish this. There will be kingdoms against kingdoms. There will be nations against nations. Mm. Yet, we won't finish this. Things will still continue. Yet, there will be those who will say that I am the Christ. But when they say that they are the Christ, do not go after them. They will come with signs and wonders that will even deceive the elect. But yet, my father won't finish this. Things still continue. And these false prophets will still be around in the end of the age. They will proliferate. They will be there. They will be at a, almost as an epidemic. Why? Because as the end of the age comes, as the time of finishing this does come, and the end of history, there is going to be such a proliferation of those who say we are of Christ, of those who say we are prophets of Christ, but they're only coming because the devil knows it's the last times, eschatology, the end times, to finish this but it's not yet the end. And then who Matthew spoke about, the abomination of desolation, he who is called the son of perdition, otherwise known as the little horn, otherwise known as the beast with fierce countenance, otherwise known as the Antichrist. When you see the Antichrist and he comes into Jerusalem with his army and as Zechariah chapter 12 and chapter 14 says that he will lay siege against Jerusalem, know that time is the time that God my father is about to finish this no angel knows about that time when we finish it and no even the son of man does not know but only my father knows when we finish this and this is why I tell you be a faithful servant be awake be sober for the devil goes around like a roaring lion seeing who he may devour because he wants to finish this he wants to finish us he wants to end us he tempts us and solicits us that we don't make it to the end so we die in our sin so we fall away from his love and his grace because he wants to finish us he wants to pull us into a place called hell that was not created for us but it was created for him and his demonic beings why because once you die and you go to that place it's finished you can't come back as Lazarus would say or when he died and he was in Abraham's bosom and you had the rich man who died simultaneously and the, and the rich man he is in torment in Hades and he looks at Abraham and he says Abraham please send the poor man Lazarus send the poor man who used to eat at my table because I'm in Hades I'm in torment and I believe that I'm finished and Abraham says I can't go to you neither can you go to me there is a great gulf admittedly you are finished and I cannot get Lazarus to pour even a water on the tip of his finger and put it on your tongue because you have died so it's finished Lazarus has died so it's finished the whole thing is finished you come to the end of your days the end of time and now you stand before God as Hebrews says that once the death then the judgment then it's finished and Christ says to his disciples when you see the Antichrist when you see all these wars and rumors of wars you're coming near to the time when it's finished but yet these are only birth pangs these are only sorrows but the end is still yet to come yes. when God will finish this mm. and so the disciples they're thinking 
When does this finish? When does it end? When is it over? Jesus speaks again in Luke 21. Matthew, Luke and Mark are called the synoptic gospels because they parallel one another. And in Luke 21, the parallel of Matthew 24, Jesus then speaks again. There will be troubles in the heavens. Aporia, he says, when he comes, when he's about to come and you will see light as far as the east is from the west and it will be flashing. When he comes, it says men will be failing. Men will be failing. They will literally be a word, a Greek word, aporia. They will be perplexed. They will be in a quandary because they realize that now they're seeing God in the sky. Now they're seeing Christ. They used to pontificate that they were atheists. Mm. They used to pontificate that they were agnostic. They used to say all of these articulations and speak like Marcus Cicero with all of this oration that they don't believe in God. But now they see God in the sky and they now cry out like Revelation 6, rocks fall on me. They're hiding in the rocks. They're hiding in caves, in mountains, like Osama bin Laden, who was hiding out in the Pakistani caves. But no matter where they hide, Christ is coming back to yes. finish this. Jesus will say to his disciples in Matthew 24, who is the foolish servant? Who is the servant who is foolish, who his master has given him the opportunity to rule. But it says the servant is a wicked servant because he says, because my master is delayed. He now goes in and beats his fellow men and he now drinks with the drunkards. Why? Because they don't see Christ. They don't see that life is finished. They don't see the end. Hmm. So they don't give themselves to Christ. They don't commit themselves to Christ. They flirt with Christ. They live for Christ according to their own terms and condition. They don't surrender to Christ. They just pass in. They pass out. Christ is someone who they do not give serious consideration. They belittle his word. They belittle his faith. They live for him according to what dictates in their own heart. Because they say Christ is delayed. We don't see him. He's not a priority that we should interweave within our lives. And Jesus says that is a foolish servant. Because when I come, I will come like a thief in the night to finish this. I will come like a thief at the time. You don't expect it. Why? To finish this. It was Isaiah 65 verse 17 where it said, I create a new heavens and I create a new earth. Why? Because I'm going to finish this earth and I'm going to finish this heaven. In Matthew 24, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but not one jot of my word will pass away. And when I tell you that I'm coming to finish this, I mean I'm coming to finish this. The dilemma for many of those who say they're in Christ is the lack of urgency, the intimacy that he could come back at any time. Mm. 
There's no historical things that need to be fulfilled before the rapture. There's no future prophecy that needs to be fulfilled before the rapture. There is for the second coming, but not the rapture. When it's 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 15, 16, 17, when it speaks about the harpazo, when it says, I told you a mystery in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but even when we go back to Thessalonians chapter 4, um, 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 verse 1, or, or 1 Thessalonians, sorry, this is when we're now looking, we're looking at when Jesus, the trumpet will go, when Jesus will snatch us away, and it says that we will forever be with him. He takes us to heaven. He takes us to a place because he's saying to his church, there will come a time when Antichrist and the great tribulation, just before that time, when my father is going to finish this, because my father, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, not to finish this, not to finish us, not to finish you, not to finish me, but to pour out his grace, just like Noah, when Noah, he was in the boat, he was in the ark and God said my spirit will not strive with man forever in Genesis 6 and he says no man has become desperately wicked the dictates of his heart is wicked so I'm about to finish this and I will finish it with a flood and I'm going to finish the life of man and all the spirit that is within man yet I will save eight souls I will save Noah and his sons and Noah and the son's wives and his wife I'm going to save them because they seek righteousness or because of Noah he sought righteousness therefore righteousness is going to ensure that I'm not going to finish them but they are going to make it they are going to make it because of this man's faith and the attachment of this man's faith that they got a chance the question is do we still have faith individual faith is it a persevering faith or is it a faith that is only according to the dictates and only according to our feelings emotion and our own heart because that will not stop the tide from coming in from finishing this because the father's way is the father's day and the father's day is the lord's day and the lord's day is the return of christ when it speaks in zechariah 14 that when he comes back that all of the people in jerusalem will not be cut off but in that time the sky the moon will stop shining the sun will stop shining in revelation chapter 6 it says the stars from heaven will descend it says that the moon will go like blood red it says that the sun will go as black as sackcloth. Why? Because the sun is saying, my father, my creator is about to finish this. The moon will say, my creator is about to finish this. The stars will say, my creator is about to finish this. It speaks about islands and it speaks about mountains. They all lose their place. Why? Because they look to the creator and they say, the creator is about to finish this. He's about to end this even in heaven revelation chapter 6 where it says i saw the sixth seal open and when i saw the sixth seal open there were multitudes yes great men mighty men every slave every free man they were crying out as they looked to the sky Hide me from the wrath of the Lamb. Hide me from the wrath of the Lamb. Why? Because they
they realize in their intuition as well as their vision that God is about to finish this. So in this time of grace, when God has not finished this, do we finish ourselves in our lackluster relationship with Christ with the pretense that we're in relationship with Christ when really some, we're in relationship with idolatry ourselves, our own pleasures, our own desires, and there is no biblical credence that backs up that we have a personal relationship with Christ, but we only articulate that, we only assert that, we only make statements of that, and Christ is very, very far. Christ is almost like walking on the Sea of Galilee, and we're in a boat, and there is a distance between us, but in the reality of the empirical evidence, there is not that tangible relationship. Yes. Because there comes a time like Samson, where there was such a familiarity with the things of God. There was such a familiarity with the Holy Ghost that he believed he could live anyhow and be anyhow and say anyhow and do anyhow. And he believed that God could never finish this until the time he decides to go to Delilah's house. He puts his head on Delilah and on her lap and he tells her the secrets of God. Mm. And the God said, the Holy Ghost, the third person of the Trinity said, I'm now going to finish this. Samson shook himself just like he shook himself before with the Philistines. And the Holy Ghost was not there. He had departed because there's a possibility that we come to a place that our lives are like Laodicea, very lukewarm, very cold, very freezing, yeah. that the Holy Spirit will have to say to us, no matter how much you pontificate, about God, no matter how much you speak about Christ, no matter how much you speak about the things of God, no matter about your church attendance, the Holy Ghost, I'm going to have to finish this, and he departs, and then we now turn into Ichabod, the Lord is no longer around, Ichabod, the Lord has departed, and we walk around as if God's still with us, only to die and wake up like the rich man in the book of Luke, and we lift up our eyes and we're in torment because we didn't realize on planet earth that God and our relationship it was terminating and at a certain time that we were so deluded and deceived that we didn't even realize when he said I've got to finish this so Jesus says when I come back when I find faith chapter 19 of Revelation it says that the heavens open because all God is always willing to open the heavens for us. He's always willing for heaven to come down. Our Father who art in heaven, teach us how to pray, Jesus. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. That Greek word, Basilia. Bring your dominion. Bring your kingdom. Bring your domain and make it land. Make it land. If you don't bring your spirit, then we're finished. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by your spirit, saith the Lord. Without your Holy Ghost, we're finished. As Paul says in Galatians, 
And as he says in Romans, there's two parts of our nature. We've got the spirit and we've got the flesh. I want to walk after the spirit. If I walk after the spirit, I will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Yes. But if I, if I fulfill the desires of the flesh, the Bible says that leads to death. And if it leads to death, then I'm finished. Yes. But as Jesus comes down, he says on his thigh, he's got a name and it says the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Tetragrammaton. Lord of Lords, I am that I am in English, Hebrew, Yahweh. The self-existent one. He who has no beginning. You can't track it. There's no antecedent thing that precedes him. He who is the Alpha and Omega. There is no finish line. There is no end. There is no what the Greeks call the Teleos. There is no place that you get that he's not there. He is the Alpha and Omega. The self-existent. The eternal one. There is no end to him. There is no end game. The word finish. He defines what is finished. He is eternal. And he comes down. And it is him by the word of his father who says, Son, now it's time. Now this is the moment in the twinkling of an eye. You took your raptured saints in the twinkling of an eye. At a moment, even at the blast of a trumpet, at the blast of the trumpet, they were changed because now it's time to finish this. This mortal body will now put on immortality because it's going to be finished. This carnal body of corruption will put on incorruption because it's going to be finished because the natural man cannot inherit as the book of Hebrews chapter 2 says it cannot inherit corruption or it cannot inherit the kingdom of God the only thing that can inherit is our spirit and soul and a new body and that is what he will give it to us yeah. because when he finishes this hmm. we'll be changed but in the meantime are we changed we transform. As Paul says, have we been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light? Or do we still attend church and we're still living in the darkness? Mm. We've all got family members, friends, people you witness to, you hear all the time, don't go church. Well, the reason I don't go church because the church is this, church is that, church is, you know, church for the hypocrites, church is this, church is that. That's not the reason why people don't go church. Right. It's not the real issue. The issue is never the issue. Come on. The reason why people backtrack. The reason why they recoil. The reason why they kind of fade from the house of God we're preaching the illumination of the word of God the illumination of scripture as David said the word of God is a light to my feet that's the issue the issue is the light yes Jesus says it in the book of John men are afraid of the light they do not like the lights. Why? because they're afraid that the light will reveal what they do in darkness 
may love the darkness. And even if they don't love the darkness, the scotos, that which is ignorant, that which is dark, that which is harmful, they are addicted to the darkness. Yes. And they will come with justifications. They will come with esoteric questions. They will come with sophisticated, all types of deep intrigue and conspiracies. But it's all a front because you're afraid of the light. Because the light exposes what you do in the dark. And God, who is the light and the light of all men, he exposes what you do on the dark. And he calls that harmatia. He calls that sin. He calls that transgression where you have gone beyond the bounds. His bounds. It was Socrates, the famous philosopher. Socrates who discipled Plato. Plato who discipled Aristotle. He said, I can forgive a child who is afraid of the dark. But I cannot forgive an adult who is afraid of the light. And that is our generation. Because the light finishes this, it exposes the aletheia, it exposes the truth, it exposes the facts, it exposes and gives empirical evidence why a man and a woman will not get into the kingdom of God. As it says in Revelation chapter 21, no coward, no unbeliever, no unbelieving, no no sexually immoral person, no idolater, no sorcerer will inherit the kingdom of God. That's right. He finishes it. Jesus says, it will be finished. Whether Al-Qaeda, ISIS, whatever the terrorism is out there, mm. wars, Civil wars, revolution, turbulence within nations, turbulence within communities, gang crime. First Timothy says, or Second Timothy chapter 3 says, men will grow worse and worse, more is coming. For the mystery of lawlessness has been released. Anomia lawlessness no boundaries for that's what man wants yes man does not want anyone to tell them what to do the only time they want man to tell them what to do is when it benefits them because every man is wise in his own eyes but jesus says for the elect's sake things are going to be that bad that my father's going to finish this my father's going to end this. Chapter 19. The nations. They gather together. On a piece of real estate. One of the greatest. Places of war in history. It's called Megiddo. In Hebrew, it's called Armageddon. The nations gather there, all the nations of the world, three demonic entities called, or depicted as frogs, one 
demon frog comes out of the dragon, Satan. Another demon frog comes out of the false prophet. Another demon frog comes out of Antichrist. And these demonic entities inspire and seduce the nations to go to a plane, to go to the Middle East and to gather the world, to gather the kings, to gather the potentates of this world. To Armageddon, to war, to war with each other. But the objective is we take Jerusalem. We invade Jerusalem. Why? Antichrist is sitting there. He's gone to the temple as if he is God, showing himself to be God, blaspheming God and his enemies are coming against him. Why? Because they want to finish this. And as they come to the battle of Armageddon, there is going to be a third world war like no other war. There's going to be a sequel of the Holocaust where Zechariah says it's not like Adolf Hitler who killed one third of the Jews. Zechariah says two thirds of the Jews will be wiped out in this blood genocide of Antichrist. And as they're being butchered, as they're being killed... As they're fighting militia, the IDF forces, the Israeli Defense Force are fighting for their lives. Antichrist and his world global army are there trying to finish this because the devil has always wanted to kill God's people. He's always wanted genocide for God's people. If he can wipe out God's people, then there's no son of God according to the prophecy to be fulfilled that's going to be born. And if the Jews are wiped out, then there'll be no son of God who comes back to save these people, Israel. So he wants to wipe them out so he can get rid of the very purpose why Jesus is coming back to finish this. But just at the time when things are looking deadly, just at the time when it's going to be an utter wipeout and an utter massacre, Zechariah chapter 14 says, Jesus now, he makes his way, he comes, he's coming back to planet earth, the heavens are open, because prior to that, the father has told the son, now is the time to finish this, now is the time to end this, I want to bring a world where there's no more pain, no more crying, no more weeping, no more sickness. I want to bring a place where there is a place to disease. And that place to disease is, I tell it, we finish this. The angelic beings are informed. We finish this. We go down. We move like ribbons on the winds. We move with a cat-like grace, with a tiger-like tread, with lion-like power. We move like panthers in slow motion. When we hit planet Earth, we separate the goats from the sheep. We bring them to the, to the mountain to be judged. Though all of the nations are going to gather around Israel, we're going down to finish this. Zechariah says, the Lord, our Lord, our Lord, who we know in a personal way, not just a generic God, but the God who we knew on Earth, the God who we walked with on Earth, 
the God we pray to, the God we serve, the God we minister to, and no mystic relationship, and no mystic God. We show we love God by loving one another. We show we love God by serving in the house of God. We show we love God by loving our brother and sister, as First John said. We love our brother and sister who we can see. What's the point in saying we can love a God who we can't see? There's no evidence for that. The only way to show how we love the God we can't see is demonstrating that love to those who we can see. For as he says when he comes back at the second coming, he will say, just like he said to Peter, do you love me? Peter will say, yes. He will say, feed my sheep. The way you love me is by loving your Christian brother and sister, involving in their life, day in your life, serving God with one another. Amen. And at the battle of Armageddon, he finishes this. Isaiah chapter 3 verse 1. Who is this who comes from Eden? Who is this who's with thy garments who goes to Bosra? It is I. It is I who speak in righteousness. It is I. Why are your garments stained? Why are your garments stained as if you have come from the winepress? Yes, I've been to the winepress and I pressed it alone. I'm the son of God. I'm the word and the word who was with God. I've come to finish this. I've come to get my people back from Jordan. I've come to get them back from the mountains. I've come to get my people back and bring them home. Even when he went to Jerusalem, he split the mountain of all his wife because Antichrist wanted to finish this but Jesus would never allow it to be finished until he's ready for it to be finished yes. Hallelujah. our lives is not a theory of the big bang our lives are ordered he's the author and finisher of our faith he's the orchestrator all of us think every now and again my life is finished. It's not finished until Jesus says it's finished. Yeah. It's not over until Jesus said it's over. But what about all the errors I've made? Don't don't make self-pity your idol. Tell self-pity, I'm finished with this, I'm getting back up, I'm going to make the steps that I need to make, hell whispers in my soul, you're finished, I'm not like Judas Iscariot, where you set out Christ and then he whispers with his dark, seditious, slivery, nightmarish voice, you're finished. We're not finished. For those in Christ Jesus are never finished as long as we hold on to Christ Jesus. As long as he continues to be our anchor. As long as he continues to be our elpis, our hope, our assurance and our confidence. We're not finished. Well, how do I go again? Lao Tzu, the famous Chinese philosopher, lived around about 600, 500 BC. He said, do the difficult while it is easy. 
do the large thing while it is small for a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. As William Wordsworth said, the Roman romantic, to begin, begin. For if we don't take those steps, then we're finished. If we don't do what we need to do, then we're finished. If we don't wake up and make a decision, I am not going to be in servitude to my flesh. I am not going to be in servitude to my carnal nature. I am not going to be in servitude to an atmosphere of victimhood. I am not going to be in servitude and slavery to pity and self-pity. I'm not going to be in bondage to anything. No, I'm going to do what I need to do. And I'm going to allow the Spirit of God to infuse me otherwise I'm finished but I cannot be finished for if he before me who could be against me yes. it's him who says when he's finished not man Come on. so when it comes to death man says when our biological life is ended it's finished not finish for there will come a day 1 Corinthians chapter 15 when Jesus will take death to task chapter 20 when he speaks about after the millennial kingdom has been reigning for about a thousand years he says everything disappears protons, atoms, all the elements, all neutrons, everything you can touch, everything, time, space and matter, it all deteriorates. He finishes this. And when he's finished, then he is sitting on a throne. He who the world said was finished. He who the world said was dead. The atheist and the agnostic said, when Jesus died, we were dancing on his grave. You can carry on dancing on his grave because he rose from the grave because he wasn't finished. Then he's sitting on his white throne. Why? Because he's not finished. He's alive. As he sits on his white throne, it says in chapter 20 that death gives up his debts. Hades gives up his debts. The sea gives up his debts. They stand before God. They stand before the Lamb on his throne. They thought it was finished. No, they're going to be judged. Mm. As they're judged, as they experience the second resurrection, which has the woe unto that. Now they finish as Jesus judges them empirically, as he judges them according to their deeds, according to what they've done, according to what they've said. That's the finish. But then the critical thing is, he says he'll also throw death. He'll throw death into the second death, yes. which is the lake of fire. Because anything that has harmed his people, hurt his people. As Hebrews 2 says, that he came in the flesh to destroy death, mm. which the devil has power of and holds men in bondage with fear. Yes. He finishes this. He finishes this. The disciples say to Christ, when does this finish? 
When is the end come? When's the consummation? Many of us say, Am I finished now? By what has transpired, am I finished? By what has occurred, am I finished? People say I'm finished. Am I finished? Life looks like it's finished. So is it finished? Mm. I look all around me. It deems to be finished. Is it finished? Here in Christ, genuine, sincere, biblical, biblical, scriptural, mm. sola scriptura, by scripture alone, relationship with Christ, not mystical. I feel it in my heart, I feel it in my heart, I feel it in my spirit, I feel it in my spirit, I feel it in my emotions, I feel it. No, what does the word of God say? Mm. That type of relationship, we're not finished. We're not over. Do you know who's finished? The serpent's finished. Yes. The ancient serpent who carries the curse, he's finished. He told us that we were finished. He told our parents in the Garden of Eden, you guys are now finished. You take them from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, so you're finished. Mm. He tells these demonic beings, I just finished this. I finished mankind. They've done what I told them to do. And by them obeying me, they're now finished. I now take over the empire. I now take over what man was meant to rule. They're finished. But God comes along when Adam and Eve are running away in the Garden of Eden. And God says, no, you are not finished. I'm going to bring a seed through that seed. It's going to give you life through that seed. There's going to be an escape. Yeah, the serpent is going to bite your heel. But even when he bites the heel, you're not finished. I'll ensure that the venom does not circulate to your heart and cut it off. Even as he says in Ezekiel, I'll give you a new heart. Why? Because yeah. you're not finished. Mm. I'll facilitate your life to go on and on. I'll send my son. He will come down in flesh. He will be like his brethren. He will know me. He will be in relationship with me for I am his father. And as he was saying, I have come that you may know the father and the son who he has sent. Why? And what we are communicating to you as the dream team, as the Godhead, as the Trinity is no man is finished unless we say so. So as we finish, as we close, in Revelation 6, it says the heavens will shake. And when it shakes, people are scared because they know history is about to finish. When they see those stars dropping out of the sky, Jesus says, let it be like the parable of the fig tree, the late figs. You know summer's coming. All these things that are happening. Don't be naive. Because Jesus said in Matthew 24, don't be caught up like Noah's generation. 
like Noah's generation before the flood. He says they were eating and drinking. He says they were marrying and giving one another in marriage. They weren't concerned with the finish. They weren't concerned with the end. Everything was now. Even people who said they know Yahweh, they go, they got a relationship with him. Even they were fixated on the now. How many times, Christians, can we be fixated on the now? Absolutely obsessed with the now. Absolutely taken with the now. The moment it totally engulfs us. The moment it mesmerizes us. The moment it transfixes us. In order, obedience to Christ is not something that we see as a priority. An utter surrender to Christ is not something that we see as a priority. Just giving our whole lives and our whole hearts to Christ is not something we don't mind articulating and speaking platitudes about Christ, but to actually do what he wants us to do, to make him our curios. Mm. That we say, you are the one who determines if we're finished. And being in the hands of a potter, we're not finished. There's much to do. But the good news is, when hell whispers to you, it's finished. That's not his decision to make. That's not for him to say. Job was meant to be finished. But yet God said your latter days will be greater than your former days. Yeah, yeah. Mark, Barnabas' nephew, he was meant to be finished. Yet in the book of Timothy, Paul calls for Mark and says that he's useful to me. After he said that, Mark, you're finished. David, after Bathsheba, he was meant to be finished. Mm. Lord, take not thy Holy Spirit away from me. I want David, because you're not finished. In Christ, all the leaders said, you're finished. But the Father's way on Father's Day is ultimately... He determines when everything finishes. Yes. And your life, if you look to the author and the finisher of your faith, if you look to him who transforms you from glory to glory to glory, if you be in Christ and Christ in you, the Holy Spirit that cries through us, Abba Father, he will whisper and he will say, you're not finished. I will wrap up history. I will end history. And as all the signs and all the prophecies that are coming to pass that are playing out in our world today, we know life and we know history is about to finish. But for Jesus' people, not religious people, not cultural Christians, not those who verbally assent a relationship, but those who thirst and hunger after righteousness. Yeah.
those who Jesus says are freely give you of the fountain of life, of water, and who are desperate to drink, those who are proactive, those who are energetic for more of Christ, to be with Christ, to be in a relationship with Christ, to not forget about Christ after the long years of faith, mm. but to remember their master and their master is coming back and not to be caught unaware. You're not finished. Yes. And even though we could fall, we could make mistakes. It says, though a righteous man falls, he's able to be picked up again. Why? Because we're not finished. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. The Father's way on the Father's day is He determines when it's finished. And we're not finished. The world will finish. History will finish. But we're not finished. Maybe you're here. You're unsaved. You don't know Christ in a personal way. When I say that, I'm not saying anything to do with church attendance. I'm not saying anything to do with your biblical knowledge. I'm saying if you should die today, you know in the depth of your being that heaven wouldn't be your home. It's not what necessarily was in the public. It's what's in the place without light, the hidden place. Jesus does love you. Jesus does care about you. Jesus does cherish you. unless you're born again as he said to Nicodemus you cannot enter the kingdom of God finish with sin finish with self will finish with doing it my way if you want to receive Christ repeat after me Lord Jesus I believe you died on the cross for my sin you repeat this. I ask for you, for your blood, to cleanse me of my sin, to wash me of my sin, to purge me of my sin. I ask for you to live inside me, to dwell within me. I don't seek just to be religious seek to be a practical Christian and to know you in a personal way. I do believe you rose from the dead by faith. I do believe you're alive and you're not dead. I ask for your blood to forgive me of all my sins and throw them into the sea of forgetfulness. That I could finish with this. I pray this. In Jesus name. Amen. God bless. Appreciate you for listening. And uh, just to reiterate tonight. Uh, we got Sola Scriptura. And that is where. It's scripture alone. We study the word of God. We speak on the word of God. You can ask any question on the word of God. Theology, church history, um, whatever it might be. And we just build on the word and um, illuminate and highlight and elucidate the word. So that's tonight at 6 p.m.
I'll see you there. Take care. God bless.